Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And we are once again talking about Activision Blizzard and its pending acquisition by tech giant Microsoft. If you've been with us for a while now, you know that a lot of eyeballs are on this potential transaction and for good reason, because it will be the biggest acquisition in the history of the video game industry and relates to a company that can only be described as beleaguered, especially since last summer, and especially with respect to its CEO, Bobby Kotick, who just days after an expose in the Wall Street Journal, winds up negotiating the deal price and deal terms with Microsoft. And it's on that point that apparently there is some legal maneuvering that has been reported a little bit breathlessly with headlines like PC Gamer. New York City sues Activision Blizzard, says Bobby Kotick is unfit to negotiate the Microsoft buyout. Kotaku, now New York City is suing Activision Blizzard. Yahoo and Engadget, New York City targets CEO Bobby Kotick in latest Activision Blizzard lawsuit. Eurogamer, new lawsuit alleges Activision CEO rushed through Microsoft acquisition to escape liability for wrongdoing. And all of those headlines are both technically accurate in some respects and a little bit erroneous in others, uh, which is, of course, the best kind of accurate, but also misleading. Right? I don't know how you read headlines. I don't know how you think about lawsuits. But I can say that in general, this sounds to me in headline form of New York or New York City more specifically taking some kind of breach action against Bobby Kotick and the board of Activision Blizzard to actually allege fiduciary duty breach or some other major violation of statutory code and good governance at the corporate level. And that's just not what it is yet. I think, as best I can tell from all these articles, they all spring from Stephen Totillo's article at Axios, and he tweeted out the summary as following. New York City is suing Activision, saying Bobby Kotick was unfit to negotiate the Microsoft deal and that the deal was rushed to get him and the board out of danger of lawsuits over how they handled misconduct at the company. Now, to his credit, after you get past New York City sues Activision targeting CEO Bobby Kotick, which is just not terribly useful of a headline to me, you get more details as you go along this article. And Stephen Totillo, I want to say, is a very good resource. And we quote him a lot here in Virtual Legality because he is finding these lawsuits and these legal documents all the time. I just don't think this headline is terribly useful. Why? Because this lawsuit isn't actually alleging what it purports to allege and what all of these various outlets have really told their readers, at least those that just read headlines, is happening here. Instead, you see Axios say, the lawsuit is an action in Delaware's Court of Chancery, technically a 220 complaint, and I've never actually heard it referred to solely by the statute number, but that should tell you that it's not that kind of breach lawsuit, because we're going to look at the Delaware General Corporation Law, the DGCL, to talk about what's happening here in this section. Right? And Section 220 is an inspection of books and records provision in the DGCL. It says any stockholder in person or by attorney or other agent shall, upon written demand under oath stating the purpose thereof, have the right during the usual hours for business to inspect for any proper purpose, we'll get back to that in a second, and to make copies and extracts from the corporation's stock ledger, that's going to be the people that own stock, how much they own, the various portions of the capitalization table of the company, a list of its stockholders, and its, umbrella term, other books and records. And then you get some details about what all of that just means. First, a proper purpose shall mean a purpose reasonably related to such person's interest as a stockholder. And then what happens when you make your request? 
If the corporation or an officer or agent thereof refuses to permit an inspection sought by a stockholder or attorney or other agent acting for a stockholder pursuant, et cetera, et cetera, or does not reply to the demand within five business days after the demand has been made, the stockholder may apply to the court of chancery. This is a special corporate matters court in Delaware for an order to compel such inspection. The court of chancery is hereby vested with exclusive jurisdiction to determine whether or not the person seeking inspection is entitled to the inspection sought. Where the stockholder seeks to inspect the corporation's books and records other than its stock ledger or list of stockholders, which is basically assumed to be okay, such stockholder shall first establish that the stockholder is a stockholder, that such stockholder has complied with the section in respecting the form and manner of actually making the demand. You've complied with all the rules and formalities and that the inspection such stockholder seeks is for a proper purpose. Finally, and this might be the most important part of looking at this particular issue, the burden of proof shall be upon the corporation to establish that the inspection such stockholder seeks is for an improper purpose. So to frame that out for you, Section 220 in Delaware basically says, if you're a stockholder, we assume that your request to see documents is correct. And then the corporation can counter that assumption. It has the burden of proof by establishing, oh, you're on a fishing expedition. You're just trying to make us spend money, whatever it is that they might argue against a request like this. But the most important thing from those headlines is that this isn't a lawsuit alleging material liability of Bobby Kotick or the board. It is simply asking Activision Blizzard to give documents over to these various entities, which we will note, despite the headlines saying New York City does not include New York City, right? I've highlighted who's actually bringing this complaint. The New York City Employees Retirement System, the New York City Fire Department Pension Fund, the New York City Police Pension Fund, the New York City Board of Education Retirement System and Teachers Retirement System for the city of New York. So you've got their city services pension funds and the looks like two different teacher related pension funds. And yes, those are all related to the operation of New York City. But again, I think this headline that got out there makes it sound more problematic for Activision and Blizzard than it really is. Reasonable minds can differ on that and think, hey, if all of these New York City related entities are suing, then maybe it's fair to say it's New York City. But there really is an entity called New York City and it is not a plaintiff in this particular action. So as a lawyer, I don't love that particular language in the headline. Now, I told you this is a section 220 claim. We're gonna look through this document a bit A lot of this is trying to establish that proper purpose concept in order to make sure that the Court of Chancery understands why these entities are asking for so, so much information from Activision Blizzard. But at the end of the day, it's a lawsuit. Yes, it's seeking legal action. It's seeking legal action under the statute that tells it it can do this. It's not actually something based on damages or that we might otherwise think of as the lawsuit that might arise eventually from the investigation that this particular complaint represents. So first they say plaintiffs seek to inspect these documents of Activision Blizzard to investigate possible wrongdoing and or breaches of fiduciary duty by the board of directors of the company. And I will tell you just plainly stated, that is a proper purpose. The stockholders have a vested interest in making sure that the board isn't breaching its duty to them. So if you can then allege facts or circumstances that might suggest that a breach did happen, as these entities are going to do in this particular complaint, 
then the court is going to be likely to say yes to most of the requests. There are certain areas where you might go overboard and activate and say, hey, that's impossible for us to create and compile and give over to you. And that might find some purchase with the court. But overall, that sentence, investigation of possible wrongdoing, that's one of the strongest reasons that a stockholder can have to ask for records from a corporation. And then they give some background. Plaintiffs originally served a demand to inspect Activision's books and records on October 8th, 2021. It's actually before the Wall Street Journal article. Plaintiffs' original 220 demand sought to inspect Activision's books and records in connection with the board's failure to maintain a safe and non-discriminatory working environment for its, specifically minority and female, employees, and failure to take action in response to repeated grave allegations of misconduct, discrimination, and harassment. So their original request in October is that the board didn't do enough with respect to the issues that were raised by both the EEOC and the Department of Fair Employment and Housing at California. It was aimed at that, not the merger. This is something different. While Activision produced some of the documents plaintiffs sought in the original 220 demand, it failed to produce certain other key documents which plaintiffs were plainly entitled to inspect. So they say Activision isn't being as responsive as they should. This forced plaintiffs to file a Section 220 petition to enforce their statutory inspection rights on December 23rd, 2021. And then you get a case citation. So one, one thing that's important to note here is that this quote unquote lawsuit is referred to here as a petition, which is probably a little bit more accurate, but also that these entities have gone down this road before. I don't recall seeing that reported on in December of 2021, but that would have been the request that was more specifically aimed at the harassment consideration rather than the merger one. They have done this before and seemingly they've only been invested in looking for documentation as of yet. While plaintiff's inspection efforts were ongoing on January 18th, 2022, Activision announced that it had reached an agreement to be acquired by Microsoft in an all-cash transaction for $95 per share of Activision common stock. This merger price appears to seriously undervalue Activision as it represents a mere 1% premium over Activision's stock price before the company was sued by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing on July 20th, 2021. Now, this is a fact that I have pointed out in this playlist before that Activision stock price took a dive when all of this happened last summer. And part of that, I argued here in virtual legality, is because the response from management was so bad. So if you're on the side of these entities bringing this particular complaint, lawsuit, petition, whatever you want to call it, you're seeing them frame out, hey, we asked for information about them failing to handle this stuff that wound up in these lawsuits. Then they failed the messaging in those lawsuits and that killed the stock price. And so the stock price was reduced. That's a decent argument. In fact, I've made that argument in this particular playlist, but we'll talk about why I don't think it's a very effective one long-term. I do think it'll get them the documents that they want, or at least most of the documents they want as part of this petition, but I think that they've got a problem bringing a derivative action on these grounds, that the price is too low and some other grounds that we'll talk about as we go on for one very, very big reason. Further, the merger price undervalues Activision for the independent reason that it describes no value to the lucrative derivative claims that plaintiffs were in the process of developing through their original 220 demand. Now that's an interesting sentence in and of itself, right? So a derivative claim means you as a shareholder can bring an action on behalf of the corporate entity against someone, primarily the board of directors, for breaching their fiduciary duty. That the company has an interest in bringing that claim, the board is unlikely to bring a claim against themselves, so a shareholder can step into that role. And here, these pension funds are saying, look, we were collecting information from October on, and now we're asking for more information because we're thinking about organizing a derivative lawsuit on these grounds. 
to my mind, that's when you put out the headlines. If they actually file a derivative action saying there's a breach of fiduciary duty and we're seeking recompense from Bobby Kotick or others on the board of directors, that's the kind of thing that really should draw the headlines that we're seeing perhaps a little bit early. Now, that's a big, big step, right? This is just asking for documentation. This is easily done. The burden of proof is on the corporation. And so this makes a lot of sense. You start looking at a derivative action and you've got a lot of money put into the pot. And again, you've got a major problem with what has recently happened in looking at this particular deal. Because Activision will become a wholly owned subsidiary of Microsoft after the merger, the merger will have the effect of extinguishing these highly valuable derivative claims against Activision's board, which might be a little bit too broad. We'd have to actually look at how the various statutes interact and what the DNO policies and the governing documents are, but certainly it would become harder. It's more attenuated after the merger takes place, so we'll definitely grant them that. Kodik therefore faced a strong likelihood of liability for breaches of fiduciary duty together with other members of the board, and this is also probably overstated uh, in terms of bringing a derivative action is a hard thing to do, uh, and it depends on what that information that they've already collected or might otherwise collect actually shows. No longer will he face like a likelihood of liability. With the announced merger, Kotick will be able to escape liability and accountability entirely and will instead continue to serve as an executive after the merger closes. It seems unlikely for terribly long after the merger closes, but they're making their case. Separate and apart from the fairness of the merger price and process, the board's failure to realize or even try to realize value for these derivative claims constitutes its own breach of fiduciary duty. So they didn't even try to sue Bobby Kotick That's another problem these pension funds have with what Activision Blizzard was doing. Plaintiffs served an additional Section 220 demand to inspect Activision's books and records on April 4th, 2022, just about a month ago, in full compliance with Section 220. Activision instead responded to the subsequent 220 demand on April 14th, 2022, which you'll note is more than five business days thereafter, in violation of Section 2020. And Activision further breached Section 220 by refusing to produce all of the documents sought by plaintiffs in the Section 220 demand, documents for which plaintiffs have demonstrated a proper purpose and are entitled to inspect. So this is a foot fight about whether or not Activision properly responded to the demand, and we don't know the background there. What we do know is that these pension funds think they have a good enough argument to bring it before the Court of Chancery. Plaintiffs state here that they are beneficial owners of Activision stock and have continuously been stockholders of the company at all times relevant to the allegations herein. We don't actually get an understanding of the percentage of stock that they own. It does seem likely that they're part of the percentage that maybe didn't vote for the merger if they're in the midst of bringing a complaint like this one, but that might be overly speculative. They give a little bit of background on how all all this went down and give a few examples for what they think are potential breaches of fiduciary duty, including, as detailed in plaintiff's original 220 demand, former Chief Technology Officer Ben Kilgore, for example, had been accused of misconduct by the company's employees as early as 2015, but Activision's response was to promote Kilgore to the position of CTO in 2017. They also bring up the Cosby suite here that they want to talk about a little bit and are just basically talking about the various ways in which they think the board of directors of Activision Blizzard may have breached their fiduciary duties. On November 16th, 2021, the Wall Street Journal reported that Kotick had been fully aware of the repeated misconduct by senior executives described above, but had nonetheless lied to the public by professing his ignorance and innocence. Fortunately for Kotick, according to the proxy statement filed in connection with the merger, Kotick's negotiations with Microsoft begin only three days after that Wall Street Journal article, which I did comment on in the video as well. If you want to check that out, I do have a video on how this entire merger process went down 
including my complaints about the negotiation strategy of Bobby Kotick and Activision Blizzard and suggesting that they maybe could have gotten a little bit more. Now, in a different light, you might come at this from the New York pension funds kind of side of things and say, well, he was deliberately doing this. He was throwing his stockholders uh, under the bus in order to get out of liability or bad press coverage or whatever you might think. And that's really what they're investigating and potentially bringing an action on. Kotick blithely informed Microsoft, for example, that he would be willing to accept an offer in the range of $90 to $105 per share. Microsoft then duly made an offer at the bottom of Kotick's arbitrary range, $90 on December 10th, 2021. And of course, they've got financial statements that help to try to justify that number. I commented on the fact of a negotiator actually putting a ceiling price on the range being uh, a little bit odd uh, for an opening volley on one of these things. And, And certainly these are legitimate complaints before the stockholders approve the deal. But we'll get to that in just a second. Given Kotick and the board's perverse incentives and conflicts of interest, it is no surprise that the final $95 per share merger price undervalues the company. The premium stated, the 45%, only exists in relation to the substantially lower stock price that the board's own misconduct brought about. And I don't know whether it rises to the level of legal misconduct, but I do think that the board and management and their initial statements to the Department of Fair Employment and Housing's complaint against them and some of the stuff that happened in the summer of the fall of last year certainly didn't help matters in respect of the stock price of the company. As outlined above and in the attached section 220 demands, plaintiff's investigation revealed that the board and Kotick had breached their fiduciary duties to the company, which is a kind of allegation. That's what you're seeing reported on, but it isn't actually something that they're trying to prove in a lawsuit at this time. Instead, as detailed in the demand, the proxy states that the board assumed that even if such litigation claims had material value, the merger consideration of $95 per share provided more than adequate value for such claims. So here, these pension funds are saying the proxy statement, this is that big long document we have reviewed as part of this playlist, please do check it out, that is delivered to shareholders explaining what's happening in the merger agreement, said basically, look, if we have any lawsuit rights against the board or what have you, the premium at the $95 level already covers these things. And New York says, well, you didn't even try to value them. And that's one of the things they will be trying to investigate. What did they request? All board material, which they describe as basically everything ever that might involve the board, related to the merger, related to the potential other transactions that were regarding company A, individual B, company C, company D, or company E, which were anonymous in both the proxy statement and the other documents that we have been able to review. Any agreements or memoranda of understanding between members of the board and Microsoft, employment or compensation agreements and amendments to them for Bobby Kotick, valuations performed, analyses received, conflicts of interest considered by the board with respect to any of its financial or legal advisors, discussion of any agreement by Microsoft to release claims or otherwise indemnify the directors at Activision, all documents reflecting discussion of potential derivative claims relating to the matters set forth in our prior demand, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Big long list here. Then we want to know about communications between Kotick and the Activision traders. We want to know about documents reviewed, considered, or produced by the board uh, regarding uh, the meetings during which any of the items enumerated above might have been discussed. Communications, et cetera. Documents sufficient to demonstrate how each of the directors serving on the board was nominated. Documents reflecting any and all personal, familial, financial, or business relationships other than service as directors of Activision or its subsidiaries, which is interesting. This one might be overly broad for what they're looking for. Uh, And again, you don't know exactly how the Court of Chancery is going to decide these things. Again, the burden of proof is on the corporation. And for the most part, the court, as we will see in just a minute, is going to want to allow a broad request Uh, by shareholders, at least right now in 2022. 
any documents that have already been produced or that the company is planning or intending to produce to any other stockholders making demands for inspection of books and records under Section 220. A kind of most favored nation clause here. If you're otherwise responding to another stockholder's 220 demands, we want everything you give them to, which is interesting. Uh, I, I like that as a request. Uh, and so they say, hey, we have a proper purpose. We are investigating potential wrongdoing, mismanagement, and breaches of fiduciary duties by the board. And the same for Bobby Kotick. And then they extend upon that, especially with respect to the insider trading concept. That's the Activision traders and whether or not Bobby Kotick leaked information to his buddies about the share price uh, and exactly what was going to happen on the merger deal. If approved, the merger is expected to close on April 28th, 2022, or shortly thereafter. The New York pension funds actually attest to the court of chancery here. That, that's clearly a fabrication, right? They're saying, hey, the stockholders are going to vote on the 28th of April, and the merger is expected to close shortly thereafter. Uh, no, nobody expects the merger to close shortly after April 28th. Nobody expects the merger to close for quite some time from here. Even Microsoft and Activision gave themselves to the middle of next summer. I think some folks are hoping that it'll get done by the end of the year. I have my doubts there. Uh, but it could happen. Uh, and so this is, this is just a funny sentence. No, there's no problem with saying something like this. What this is for is to preserve their standing. You see that right here. They want to be able to enforce these rights if this merger were to happen while this request uh, were still pending. And that's all they did. This is the lawsuit. This is the petition. Demand for inspection pursuant to Delaware Code 220. Hand over the books and records. Our prayer for relief is hand over the books and records. And that's it. Now, that doesn't mean that this isn't a setup long-term for this set of funds operated in connection with the city of New York to potentially try to bring a derivative action for breach of fiduciary duty by Bobby Kotick or the board at Activision Blizzard. But that is a significant, costly, resource-intensive step, and we don't actually see that happening just yet. Now, to give full credit where it's due... I do want to mention one headline I didn't mention at the top of this. The New York Times gets the headline, I think, exactly right. New York City pension funds sue Activision over financial records is vastly more accurate than the headlines we were seeing coming out of games journalism and tech journalism and the outlets that I talked to you about at the top of this particular video. Now, I do also want to mention, we can see exactly where the state of play on these kinds of requests is. Here's a Skadden Arps article. You've probably seen their name a lot now. I think they're at the Activision Blizzard deal. Uh, I think they're at the Embracer Group, Square Enix deal. This is a major corporate law firm. And so when they write about these things, they come at it from the perspective that they're representing a corporation. And they say things like, in the past, courts gave companies some leeway to push back where it appeared the stockholders were just fishing for evidence on which to base a suit with no meaningful prospect for success. And they were reluctant to force companies to turn over anything other than board-level materials such as minutes, presentations, and the like. However, as recent Delaware decisions, and this is 2021, made it harder for stockholders to sue to block a merger, stockholders have resorted more frequently to books and records demands in order to obtain evidence they can use as the basis for damage actions brought after mergers are completed an action complaining about the process, which certainly sounds like what these New York pension funds are exploring. And in advising their corporate level clients, they're answering at fact level questions here. Aren't books and records limited to formal board levels, uh, records like minutes? No, 
Increasingly, the Delaware courts are open to giving stockholders access beyond formal board materials such as minutes and board decks, particularly when a company has a history of not complying with corporate formalities, if the board is otherwise making decisions on the golf course or sending emails around, etc. The courts have indicated that the corporation should not be required to produce electronic communications if other materials such as board minutes and decks exist and would satisfy the stockholder's proper purpose in making the demand. However, if a company and its board conduct business informally over email and other electronic media instead of in the boardroom or where the formal board materials lack the relevant information, electronic information may be considered essential to the plaintiff's investigation. So basically everybody asks for that electronic information. Documents produced stay confidential, right? Yeah, says Skadden Arps. The Delaware courts have said that confidentiality is not presumed in Section 220 productions, but the courts have typically been amenable to allowing companies to protect the records through confidentiality agreements. So as a condition of handing this stuff over, they can say, New York pension funds, you have to agree to this NDA because this information shouldn't just be out and about. Can a company just say no? Generally not. Delaware courts have recently expressed frustration with overly aggressive company responses to Section 220 demands. And then they talk about some electronic filing. So the, the point is, just backing up what the statute itself says, right now, the Court of Chancery in Delaware is more inclined to say, yes, hand over those documents. We want shareholders to be fully informed and maybe only let a corporation nibble around the edges. That said, when we're evaluating not just this request, which I think is going to be largely fulfilled, Activision Blizzard is going to have to hand over documents and the Court of Chancery is going to look at what they handed over and, and try to make something that is fair and leans in favor of the stockholders. But when we're talking about that proper purpose, actually bringing a derivative suit, bringing a complaint about the merger and everything else that happened with it, this, the 98% approval of the merger itself is going to cause some problems with respect to that particular issue because this is what we might call in the law a blessing of the stockholders. The stockholders, again, as we've talked about in virtual legality, own the company. And Activision Blizzard put forth a proxy statement to its stockholders that explained all of this, perhaps in overly fulsome detail, right? The only reason I can make a video like this and say, wow, that negotiating process was uh, really interesting and maybe somewhat dicey is because they explained the entire process or seemingly the entire process to me at great length in the proxy statement. And I summarized it for you in virtual legality form. Because of that, Activision Blizzard can look at the proxy statement and say, the shareholders looked at all this, looked at the negotiations, looked at the price that was offered to them, knew that there was the potential for derivative action against the board if they wanted to so seek it. They did not. And 98% of them, not like some close margin, said, yes, this is a fair deal. I want to exchange my stock for $95. And so these New York pension funds would have to bring their claim and say, this merger agreement shouldn't have been approved, et cetera, et cetera, despite the fact that a bunch of shareholders agreed with it nonetheless. So it's not an easy claim. It's also not an impossible claim because they do say some of the right things in that document, expressing what their proper purpose might ultimately be in a derivative action, which is that the board's initial bad acts led to a reduced stock price that then got compounded by their secondary bad acts. And we want to bring some kind of action on damage basis against them for that particular reason. So unfortunately, while I think all the headlines are overwrought as it stands right now, it is an interesting question that I can't quite answer as to whether or not they'll collect enough information, these pension funds, to start to bring a more significant actual lawsuit against Activision Blizzard in the long run. But hopefully that was all informative, educational, entertaining for you uh, because 220 
demands are interesting. These shareholders always have the right to go and ask of these big public companies to respond to them if they have a legitimate reason to look at these things. And I think there is undoubtedly the case that shareholders in Activision Blizzard have a legitimate reason to look at how Activision Blizzard was conducting business, how it conducted business in negotiating the merger, and perhaps even more. This has been Virtual Reality for today. If you enjoy conversations about the business and law of video games, technology, pop culture, and more, please support the channel at Utreon or Patreon. Either way is great for us, and it helps get this content made. Uh, And if you did want to support the channel in other ways, please do subscribe, tell your friends, talk to folks about these conversations, engage with upvotes and downvotes and likes and bells and everything else that YouTube really likes in terms of buttons and levers that you can hit. If you did catch us on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.